When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Wednesday morning. We are recording this on a Wednesday morning. We are live here to give you the, the freshest content that we possibly can. And we are previewing a Penn State Nittany Lion trophy game, the Land Grant Trophy, the, the infamous Land Grant Trophy, going for the third edition to the trophy case this year. We've already got the old brass platoon in the building, and we've already got Paul in the building. So this would be a third trophy game, which is pretty cool. Um, but we'll talk about the game. We have some kind of off the field stuff. Some award finalists have been released. A James Franklin contract extension has been announced, which is very relatable to us. But before we get to all of that, Scott, it is Wednesday morning. How are you doing? Well, in a a strange twist of fate, um, I ended up in State College this weekend for the game. I guess I thought it was a road game, and and here I am. So I'll just be (laughs) hanging out here. No, I'm just kidding. My brother actually lives in uh, State College now. His wife is in grad school at Penn State, so I will be in the week in the state college town for the weekend and seeing what it's all about, and hopefully not running into too many angry Penn State fans. Uh, I will be repping my MSU hoodie all weekend. Um, yeah, it's kind of strange. Um, I've been here for games, and I've been here not for games, but I've never been here for a game for their team that wasn't here. Um, so it's an interesting vibe, but looking forward to the game, tough one coming up, which we'll get into, but, uh, but yeah, we're here for Thanksgiving. So I'll be recording. If there's any, I've never used this Wi-Fi network, any issues you can (laughs) invoice my brother for your, your pain and suffering, but, uh, yeah, excited for this one. Yeah. And and since you mentioned it off the top there before we forget, because we have a tendency to do so happy Thanksgiving for everybody that's listening. If you maybe you're listening to this on the way home to visit the family, uh, whatever the case may be, hope everybody has a a good day of food and football and and all the good stuff that comes with Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, to our Detroit Lions, just give us one win. We, I, I feel pretty comfortable about the number one pick, even if we do win a game. Um, although I think the Texans are also only, no, they just won again. Okay, never mind. Regardless, the Lions, just give us one win and, and make it on Thanksgiving. We all have to sit through this game without any other football to, to turn to. 
So give us one game this year. Tim Boyle, uh, lead us to victory. Have you seen, I, we brought it up in the group chat. I don't know if you were following at the time since, uh, it, it's Thanksgiving. We can have some fun with this. Have you seen the Tim Boyle college stat line? Yeah, I wish we were going up against Tim Boyle this Saturday. Uh, from what I've seen at his time at UConn, it is. I haven't it's, looked up the story on how he made it to the NFL, but there's got to be some bribery, some blackmail, <laughs> some extortion. There's there's a, there's some other reason he's he in, played, in the league. He played three years of football at UConn, and and two of them looked like they weren't you know, full seasons for sure, because his last season, he only had 60 attempts. His second to last season, he only had 80 attempts. He had one touchdown and 13 interceptions in his college career and somehow finds himself starting an NFL game on national television. It is absolutely mind blowing story. So Tim Boyle, just bring home the victory for the Lions here on Thanksgiving for us. We would really appreciate that one. It'd be a hell of a story. Um, apparently, I was I was listening to something. I guess the word was like that he just had some rocket arm, and they were like, we don't give a flying F about the stats. He's got a cannon. Bring him into camp. And it was the Packers, I think, who who got him a shot as an undrafted free agent. But yeah, Tim Boyle leading the Lions to victory. We got the the Bears coming into Ford Field, right? And uh, full slate of Thanksgiving games are, are always good times. So happy Thanksgiving for everybody. Hope you enjoy the football. Hope your turkey is is not dry. I hope the uh, – we, we got into this in the group. Me Again, it's Thanksgiving. We can have some fun here. Uh, best and worst part of the Thanksgiving meal. So worst part for me – um, or the least good, let's say the least good part is probably the turkey. Um, maybe my family doesn't know how to cook turkey, but I've had quite a few from quite a few different people cooking it. And it's just, I mean, I like turkey, but you got to drown it in the gravy. You got to put some cranberry sauce on there, whatever your fixings are, uh, to really make it, make it special. And there's so many things on the table that don't need help like that. I got to say the turkey, it needs the most help. Um, best is always contentious um i probably lean towards stuffing whether you call it stuffing or dressing i go with stuffing delicious mashed potatoes are obviously a classic especially if you got some good gravy with it um kevin are you a mac and cheese at thanksgiving guy is that part of your family tradition our family traditionally no we've we've tried to make pushes for it but not not to this point. No, maybe maybe soon we'll start mixing it in. So I also grew up in a non mac and cheese family, and my brother's wife, my sister in law, uh, her family is a mac and cheese family. We've we've had Thanksgiving with them a couple times, and she insists. And I'm a huge mac and cheese fan, so I'm definitely here for it, just on a taste bud basis. But it still feels a little, you know, sacrilegious to have. The mac and cheese sitting on the Thanksgiving table. I, I I haven't really come to my final verdict, but I know it's kind of a point of contention around the country uh, whether or not you you like to have your mac and cheese on the table. Yeah, I'm so I'm I'm in a similar boat as you. I as far as the the least favorite, right? Turkey is just it's you can make a good turkey, but turkey has a ceiling. 
And that's, that's the problem with me is we got into this in the group chat the other day and Sean was, was coming back at us like, you know, Oh, it's just because you don't know how to cook Turkey. We can cook a perfectly good Turkey and it can be fine, but there's a ceiling to Turkey that is far lower than give me a good roast beef. Give me a good steak. Give me, you know, like, why can't we just mix up the meat a little bit on Thanksgiving? That that's all I'm asking for. Turkey's perfectly fine. But like you said, the, you know, the least favored or the least good, it's not bad. It's, it's just the least of, of many good options on the Thanksgiving table. And the best is, is not really a contest for me. The best is the baked sweet potatoes with a nice layer of marshmallows over the top of it. That's one of those things that I would never eat any other time of the year. But on Thanksgiving, that's one where you go back for seconds. That's the first dish that you reach to going back for seconds. And then if we're counting pumpkin pie, I love me a good pumpkin pie. One of those dishes, again, you, you're typically not having like, I, I don't think apple pie is a, a Thanksgiving thing. I also love apple pie. Uh, but pumpkin pie, I, I definitely associate more with Thanksgiving. I don't really have pumpkin pie any other time of the year. So I'll, I'll count pumpkin pie and say that. And then the baked sweet potatoes with a nice layer of marshmallows over the top. Yeah, I've never done the the sweet potatoes. Um, never infiltrated my family. We're, um, I like sweet potatoes just in general as, you know, a food. But never done it for Thanksgiving. The marshmallows always throws me off. It's one of those foods that like when I imagine it in my head, it sounds terrible. But I'm sure, you know, if you know somebody who actually knows how to make it properly, it would be delicious. So maybe someday I'll find myself in in a Thanksgiving celebration that has it. I'll have to give it a go. But yeah, it's just a bizarre, as someone with no experience with it, marshmallows and, and sweet potatoes is a bizarre combination. Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to find your way there one day. My my dad has like a the biggest sweet tooth of anybody I've ever met. So any way to introduce more sugar into the meal is is typically going to be the route we go. And uh yeah, we'll 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 definitely add that onto the list here every year. So that that's a good one. Um enough Thanksgiving talk. We we have plenty to get to today and we we're trying not to run like an hour and a half. Um, before we get to everything else, it is Thanksgiving and we are thankful for family. We are thankful for food and we are thankful for free bets from DraftKings Sportsbook. They have a turkey day, no brainer. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. If it is not available in your state, the sports book that is, you can still get in on the Thanksgiving NFL action. Make your first deposit and play for millions of dollars for free with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, that's promo code TPPN this week, this Thanksgiving. Not this week, this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook. They're throwing me off in the ad read here. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, I want to start, before we get directly into this game and the matchups, some off-the-field stuff has been announced recently that is worth noting. Obviously, the college football playoff stuff. Um, you had Cincinnati going up to number four, which absolutely shocked me. I didn't think that they would do it because the thing is now it makes it really interesting. Like you're going to have to take them out of number four now, if you don't want them in. And and the whole argument has always been, you know, okay, why isn't Cincinnati and why isn't Cincinnati? In? And it's way easier for the committee to go up there and justify not putting them in at all. Now they put them in and they might have to pull them out. And that's when you're going to get a full on riot. And that would, that would be really interesting. Um, aside from that, you had the, a, a lot of, or most of the award finalists released, uh, obviously outside of the Heisman, which we are weighted with bated breath. Um, notable to Michigan state, you had Kenneth Walker, who is a finalist for the Maxwell award, which is the college player of the year. Um, kind of like in the NFL, you have the MVP and then the offensive player of the year, right? So the Maxwell, you have Kenneth Walker, the third, you have Bryce Young quarterback at Alabama, and you have Kenny Pickett quarterback at Pitt, notably no CJ Stroud in that list. You also have Kenneth Walker up for the Doak Walker award, the best running back in the country, Kenneth Walker, along with Brees Hall at Iowa state and Tyler Badee at Missouri. Both great candidates. I think Kenneth Walker should run away with the Doak Walker Award, pun intended. Uh, Maxwell, we'll have to see about that one. That's going to be a tough call. Notably, I am a voter here for one of these awards, of which no Michigan State participation uh, was warranted this year, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, just to give my ballot out here for the Lou Groza Award, a, a an esteemed member of the panel of the voting committee for the Lou Groza award as a former kicker near and dear to my heart. The finalists turned out to be, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this kid's name at Oklahoma. Gabe Burkich, I think it is, uh, Jake Moody at Michigan and Noah Ruggles at Ohio state, three perfectly fine candidates. None of the three were on my ballot. I had number one, Nathan Needham from Bowling Green, I think he deserves the, the shout out this year. He's perfect on the year. He's got a couple from over 50. He is nails. Harrison Mevis out of Missouri was my number two. He is a thick kicker and he has a burger on campus named the thicker kicker. Hell of a year. And Jonathan Garibay from Texas tech. That was my final three to, to kind of announce it publicly. And the last important award here for Michigan state listeners uh, to this podcast who made its rounds around social media so we'll touch on it the ray guy uh the national punter of the year a lot of michigan state fans a bit miffed here that bryce berenger is not among the finalists you had adam corsack from rutgers jordan stout from penn state who we'll see on saturday and matt ariza from san diego state who i think is a runaway winner that kid is a stud uh, with all of that college football playoff award finalists kind of wrapping it all into one Scott any uh, noteworthy thoughts there well the James Franklin James Franklin uh, Franklin contract extension is interesting given that it's coming right before 
the announcement is coming right before our game with them. Uh, we made a joke earlier in the year, I think it was last week, when Mel Tucker's news kind of started to percolate, which it's – we can talk a little bit about where that stands because I don't know if you're a little nervous in the fact that he hasn't signed it yet or not. But um, teams typically do pretty poorly after a contract extension announcement is made – um, at least this year, it's been a pattern. So potentially something that could be playing in our favor. Um, James Franklin has obviously been quite the distraction this year linked to the USC job specifically in other jobs, not as specifically, but um, we'll see if that's a factor. Certainly, uh, you know, it can play either way. Guys can be excited that their coach is going to be around or they can kind of lay an egg from the distraction of the week. Um We'll see if that plays into it. But Kevin, with that being said, Mel Tucker hasn't signed, said in his press conference this week that that is not his focus right now. Seemed, you know, last week in his radio show, he was saying, you know, I haven't signed it yet, but the night is young, you know, kind of chuckling about it. And, and there were a couple other kind of messages that, you know, it was close and he was, you know, excited. And now it's kind of flipped on its head to it's not my focus right now. We've got a game coming up. Any tea leaves you're reading into in that situation? Right now, no. Right now, I'm I'm my worry meter is a zero out of ten. Not worried about it. Now, if we get a full week after the Penn State game, because we're, we'll have the bowl game, but you're going to have a a pretty long period of time here from Penn State finishing to the bowl game. You'll have a few weeks, so. I think if it doesn't get done within about a week of the Penn state game wrapping up, that's when I'll start to like, huh, like what's going Like, what are we waiting for here? What's going on? That's when I'll start to, to get a little bit, maybe even not worried, nervous, whatever the case may be. But right now, no, I, I think he is being relatively genuine and saying like, I just, we got to finish out this year and then I'll worry about it. Um, I think he knows that it has been a distraction the last couple weeks. Um, I think he he's aware of that. He's a pretty self-aware kind of guy uh, from from what I've gathered following him around for a couple years now. Um, and I think he he is being pretty genuine in that. Like, look, I I know this is a distraction, and I'm really just trying to keep myself out of it, keep the focus on the team. Uh, we'll see how that works out again this weekend. But yeah, if, if we get like a week after Penn state and he still hasn't signed, that's when I'll start to, to kind of think twice about it. Yeah. So we will see maybe for all we know, he's told the team he's going to sign or he has signed and he's just keeping it under wraps. So the media storm doesn't take over with our last game coming up in a couple of days here. We'll yeah, see. The other thing too, that I just thought of is like, it's senior day on Saturday. I think he he's maybe aware of like, he doesn't want to take the spotlight off of the seniors. Cause then when Xavier Henderson goes up there at the press conference, he's going to get questions about Mel Tucker instead of, you know, his great career. So maybe that plays into it too. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's certainly possible. And hopefully we'll have pen to paper here within the next uh, week or so, uh, but we'll see. Um, yeah, but James Franklin signed the dotted line. So his team before seeing, I guess they're seeing. And is getting paid less week. than Mel Tucker, which is interesting. It was interesting considering the success he's had and the interest that, you know, he's garnering around the country. Um, and the program I, he's had in general. I mean, Penn State supports the hell out of their football program more than we have historically. So, yeah, 
So um, we'll see. We'll see if that, you know, leads to anything on the field on the Penn State side. Like I said, teams this year have, have been laying eggs after these kinds of announcements, and we will see if that trend continues. Certainly hope it does. Yeah, so getting to the game here, um, we'll start this off with, I think, just a quick, I, I want to do a quick shout out here. It is senior day, like I mentioned, and, uh, you know, we, we mentioned this before, but if you are in the area, if you are able to get to the Michigan State-Penn State game this weekend, it's one of those, the, the senior days recently haven't been so great, and, and a lot of times it lines up with Thanksgiving, so it's just not a great um, timing-wise. A lot of people go home, they're not in town, and, and they aren't able to get to the game. I, I do urge you, like, I, I'm not going to beg you to buy tickets to the game if you're not going to go, but if you are going, please, please, please make an effort to get there early. Every time I have gone to senior days, I have tried my best to make an effort to get there early to show these guys some love. I, you got guys like Matt Coughlin, like uh, Emmanuel Flowers, Luke Campbell, Matt Allen, AJR Curie, um, Drew Beasley, guys who have been around this program forever connor hayward noah harvey matt carrick blake boyder uh kevin jarvis jacob panishuk tyler hunt bryce berenger xavier henderson like these are guys who who went through so much at this program from the highs of the highs to the lows of the lows and everywhere in between coaching staff changes scheme changes and you can you know with depending on your view of these guys as football players and how you would grade their performances and whatnot you know we have to appreciate the work that they've put in and and the amount of just stuff that they've gone through man with covid and like it's they've been through a whole lot here and and they deserve that kind of last send-off in front of a real crowd, you know, the, there have been a couple times in, in recent years where you're just spattering like 10,000 people around the crowd at the time that their names are getting announced. And it's, it sucks. So I really hope that, you know, Hey, if you're not in town and you can't go to the game, like it is what it is, I won't be there. So, you know, I'm not blaming anybody there, but if you are going to the game, please, 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 make an effort to get there early. I know they really appreciate that. And uh, it's, it's something that I've tried to do over the years. Yeah. And this group of seniors specifically has been through so much with this team. I mean, it's obviously great to, you know, remember and, and pay respects to the guys that had great careers, full of wins, full of huge accomplishments. But some of these guys, I mean, Luke Campbell was a member of the 2016 class as was right. AJR Curie and Matt Allen and Matt Coggle and those four guys their entire recruiting class essentially fell apart and led to this beginning of the end for Mark D'Antonio they went through all those terrible offensive years um, a, a coaching change a COVID year and they've been the glue I mean not just those four but the guys in the 2017 class as well and I guess 2018 guys could be seniors if they played as freshmen uh, huge class of seniors they've been through a ton They've kept this program together as we've gone through a huge transition and a couple of uh, tougher years. And uh, yeah, I mean, where would we be if we didn't have MSU football to, uh, to, you know, hold us, hold us down throughout the fall. Um, Certainly owe them, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, at least a tip of the cap 
at senior day. I wish I could be there. Um, and if you are there, then like, you know, like Kevin said, get out there early, um, show them some love. Yeah. So with that out of the way, let's start getting to the actual game here. So Penn state comes into this one, um, seven and four. And I, I think if you asked most Penn state fans, I, I would think they would agree. It's a pretty disappointing seven and four, especially with, you know, that you mix in preseason expectations on top of the fact that they started the year five and oh, with a win at Wisconsin, which at the time felt huge. And then for a while was like, well, Wisconsin, I don't know. And now Wisconsin's kind of back. So that, that looks like a good win. Again, you had an Auburn win at home, a huge non-conference game. Uh, and then that loss to Iowa on the road, it was a top five matchup. It was a battle. Sean Clifford went down and they had to play the backup quarterback for a long stretch of that game on the road and, and just couldn't get it done. Ended up losing by three points and it, it kind of spiraled a little bit from there. You had the embarrassing nine, nine overtime loss to Illinois. Um, you battled, but lost to Penn, to Ohio state recovered with a win at Maryland and then lost a tough one again to Michigan and then they're coming off a, a 28 to nothing shutout win against Rutgers where yeah, this is something that I think will come up again, but just to make sure I get it out. Um, there was a lot I've, I've been reading and listening to some of the Penn state beat guys. They had a flu bug going through the team. And I guess there were upwards of 20, 30 guys who either didn't play or, you know, were very limited in their snaps and action because of the flu. And that includes their quarterback, Sean Clifford, who came in for a couple series to start the game and then ended up just, just getting out of there because he couldn't handle it. And, you know, for anybody who's had the flu, I mean, shoot, man, imagine trying to play major college football with the flu. I, I certainly can't. So um, that is something that is noteworthy. Um, it seems like most of those issues is kind of, have kind of cleared up, especially with Sean Clifford. The last I saw this morning was that he is pretty much back to normal and, and will be a go at Michigan State. So, you know, for if you're looking at some stats and saying like, huh, Penn State played their third string quarterback, like who was this kid on the offensive line or whatever? Um, there was a flu bug going through the team last week. So that is noteworthy. But uh, regardless, they pulled out a 28 nothing shutout dominating victory. So, um, but yeah, that that's where Penn state sits coming into this game. They're, they're a seven win team right now, looking to get to eight, uh, which, you know, we've kind of talked about before the psyche of the fan eight feels a lot better than seven for whatever reason. Um, and, and that's where Penn state is. Obviously we know where Michigan state's at coming off of the worst loss I've ever seen. It just total embarrassment in the horseshoe at Ohio state coming back home. Uh, for senior day. So Scott, when we look at breaking down this game, uh, where do you want to lead off? Cause I think there's a lot of interesting pieces into this one. Well, the first thing that sticks out to me with Penn state is their defense. Um, definitely an overshadowed defense considering some of the offensive struggles that they've had, particularly running the ball and, and just scoring points. But this defense, depending on what you value most, you could make an argument. This is the second best defense in the country behind Georgia um they it's really hard to score against them it's very hard to throw the ball against them and it's pretty hard to run the ball against them 
you mentioned they shut out Rutgers. They held Michigan to 21. They held Maryland to 14, held Ohio State to 33, which is a big number, but not by Ohio State standards. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough defense. And when you look at kind of where we're at on our offense from an injury standpoint, just kind of how we've been trending on that side, um, it's going to be a really tough matchup to put up points. And I think the first question for me with where our receiving core is at with them being banged up right now is, is, you know, what's Kenneth Walker's status? What's his ankle like? How's he going to do? Cause if we're going to have success in this game, I think it's going to have to mostly come on the ground and we've seen the difference in um, what our offense can, can do with Kenneth Walker versus a couple other guys like Simmons or Collins. And they're not to say those guys aren't good just to say, Kenneth Walker makes a whole lot happen on his own without a whole lot of support sometimes. And other guys don't necessarily have that X factor. So um, will Kenneth Walker be healthy? And if he is, even then, will we have success on the ground against this defense? Yeah. And man, you talk about injuries like Kenneth Walker, we're going to need him because I, man, the top two receivers being out, with Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor. Now they haven't officially announced anything with Jaden Reed, but the quote, I, I'm, I'm pulling this up here because I, I had it a moment ago. The, the quote regarding Jaden Reed was from, uh, from Trey Mosley, who replaced him at the podium. And he said, well, it's hard to replace Jaden Reed or Jalen Naylor, but if we do it as a group, we'll be fine. That, tends to make me believe that they will be without Jaden Reed or Jalen Naylor. They will have to replace them as a group. So from, you know, looking at their defense versus our offense, um, they have two legit NFL type corners. They got Tariq Castro fields and Joey Porter jr. Who are, I wouldn't say, you know, their first round lockdown guys, but they are NFL corners. Make no mistake about that whether they get drafted in the second, third, fourth round, or, or even if they're later picks, I, I do believe that. And they're going up against Michigan state's number three, number four, number five. I mean, the, the top two guys being out is really going to make a difference. And we've talked about with Trey Mosley, he's, he's a kind of guy who he's a good route runner. You know, he, he's got pretty sure hands. And when you get him on some underneath stuff, he can make a couple plays for you, but he's not that, beat a guy one-on-one beat a number one corner one-on-one and and make a tough contested catch over a number one corner like that's we haven't seen that from him maybe he can it's certainly I'm not I'm not saying it's impossible but we haven't seen it and then you go down the list and it's certainly guys who haven't proven it with Montori Foster with Keon Coleman with Terry Lockett with Christian Fitzpatrick all guys who have gotten a little bit of run here, especially in recent weeks, but just have nowhere near the experience and and consistency to prove that they're able to go win one-on-one battles. So do we see the tight ends incorporated a little more, whether it's Tyler Hunt on, on you know, we saw a bit of him last week, maybe Malik Carr starts to break out a little bit more. Maybe we put him out wide, put him in the slot, put him in line and, and move him around a little bit as kind of a chess piece. Uh, we've seen him make a couple plays the last few weeks and start to turn it on a little bit. I think he could make an impact. Um, it, it's going to be a, a tough way to put together a passing game without your top two options and two guys that 
you know, are your clear, clear, clear one and two options the whole start of the season. So that's going to be really tough against a really good Penn State defense. Like you said, Jaquan Brisker at safety is an absolute stud. It, it's it's going to be tough sledding for this Michigan State passing game. And if if we're if we're talking about a Michigan State passing game without a full health Kenneth Walker back there, man, it's it's going to be tough sledding for points. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how Jay Johnson schemes this. I think it's going to have to be a team effort on offense, uh, obviously, and. The other question mark, too, is the offensive line. I mean, last week, I think we were playing our starting left uh, right tackle at left tackle. We were starting our starting right guard at right tackle. We were starting like our number four guard at right guard. Um, And, you know, even with a full strength offensive line last week would have been a very challenging matchup, obviously. Um, But with the pieces moving around and some reserves coming in into bigger roles last week, I think it was pretty clear that that uh, offensive line was just outmatched and Penn State's defense is not much worse and potentially better than Ohio State's defense um, so obviously the game script threw everything in the gutter last week in terms of kind of the the takeaways you can take from a full game of of effort and you know if, if the offenses were putting up more similar scores I think you would have, you would have seen a much different result but even just the first quarter of last week that offensive line for Michigan state was getting chewed up Uh, with regularity. There were guys missing assignments on the offensive line and there were guys that were just straight up getting, getting beat and getting manhandled. So it's a tough matchup. It's going to be interesting to see how Jay Johnson and Mel Tucker try to kind of hide our flaws. I mean, there's no hiding them now they're all on tape. And that's the scary part about a game like this late in the season is that there's not, much you can hide there's not much you can hope the opponent hasn't seen on film you know if it's going to happen it's already happened likely so um yeah it's just going to be effort I mean playing at home certainly helps to keep the guys comfortable but at the end of the day you got to go out there and win one-on-one matchups and we are down a few of our top guys who have the ability to win one-on-one matchups regularly so um yeah that's a big question mark and I'm not sure I have an opinion on how it's going to go uh it certainly makes me nervous um, but yeah, MSU's offense, it's going to be, it's going to be a ride one way or another. Yeah. And you talk about the offensive line I, Penn state, they got a kid, Arnold Ibikite. He is a transfer from temple, uh, in coming this year. He's got nine and a half sacks, 17 tackles for loss. He's a problem coming off the edge. But then on top of that, they're, they're a really good blitzing team. They have uh, 10 guys with at least three tackles for loss. A lot of those linebackers safeties are, are getting in the mix there. And, you know, similar story to Michigan state. We have nine. Um, you look at like Darius snow, Xavier Henderson, Chester Kimbrough all have at least three tackles for loss. They're, they're in a, a, a little bit better spot with, with DBs linebackers all getting in the backfield. Cause they're, they're really good at scheming up pressure and scheming up blitzes on top of the fact that they got a one-on-one dude who's, who's going to win his battles in Ibikite. Uh, that's going to be something definitely to keep an eye on is, is can this offensive line hold up under normal conditions? And then when Penn state decides to bring some heat uh, is, is that a problem in, in a similar way that it was last week or, or it has been in the past. Uh, the other big stat with the Penn state defense that really scares me 
is there, you know, we've, we've talked about Michigan state as a bend, but don't break defense. Uh, Penn state is like a don't bend and definitely don't break defense. So they are 20th in the country in yards per game allowed. So or 26th, I'm sorry. So you'd say, okay, that's, that's not elite, but they're third in the country in points per game. They're second in points per play. They're seventh in yards per play. And the big stat that scares me is they are number two in the country in red zone scoring defense. When you get into the red zone against Penn state, you are converting for any points touchdown or field goal at a 60% clip, which is just ridiculous. The only school that's doing better right now is Georgia. And on top of that 13, so it's, it's 23 of the 37 attempts are for scores. Only 11 of 37 red zone trips have resulted in touchdowns. That's about 30%, a little less than 30%. That's also number two in the country behind only Georgia. So when you look at Michigan State and you kind of eliminate a lot of that deep ball, you know, big play ability without Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed, you're going to be forced to put some drives together and get to the red zone and then punch it in for scores. And I it's it's going to be tough because you are missing those top two receivers. Your running back is banged up a little bit and and hopefully is able to go even, but you know, just isn't going to be at a hundred percent, whatever the case is. So you're going to have to work to get into the red zone. And then once you get there, you're really going to have to work to get it into the end zone. And And we'll talk about the other side of the ball here where Penn state has struggled a bit on offense, but you know, their defense has posted two shutouts this year. They've hold, held a lot of opponents under, you know, really small numbers, you know, under 20 points, under 15 points. So, you know, when, when you're looking at a struggling offense, well, what's the best case scenario for that? You have a defense that's not giving up any more than 15, 20 points and just says, all right, you guys got to give us 20 and, and we'll go out and win this game. There was the old like 2000 Baltimore Ravens and Ray Lewis would tell the offense before the game, like, give us 10, <laughs> give us 10 points and we'll go out there and win this one. Uh, now Penn state is not the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but it's, it's kind of along those lines where the defense isn't asking very much out of the offense and, you know, to kind of transition to that side at times, well, the offense for Penn state hasn't really been providing a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, the first question is again, now this is a, a weekly occurrence. Can we slow down the passing game? Um, and Penn State's passing game has been all all over the board this year. I mean, Sean Clifford, who has played, started all but one game this year. He was a little bit banged up in the middle of the year coming out of the Iowa game. He got knocked out of the Iowa game. But in Ill against Illinois, he threw for 165 yards. And against FCS Villanova, he threw for 400. Against Maryland, 360. Against Ohio State, 360. So it – very hit or miss. They have one of the best receivers in the country in Jahan Dotson, run after catch kind of guy who can burn you in multiple ways and a couple other great filling pieces as well in the passing game. Um, yeah, the question is, can we slow it down? I think on the running side of the ball, we certainly have what it takes. They run very poorly. They do not have a hundred yard rusher yet this year. Uh, most of their games, they didn't even break a 50 yard rusher. Um, so 
we know we can slow down or even at times stop the run against our opponents. So on that side, on this side of the ball, it really does come down to, can we slow down the passing game? And again, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if we can, I mean, against Purdue, Aiden O'Connell had the biggest passing output he's had this year in terms of yardage against us. Uh, CJ Stroud had his second biggest day and he only played a half against us. Yeah, I was going to say that that's very misleading. Cade McNamara had his biggest yardage output by over a hundred yards against us. Obviously we won that game, uh, but we, our offense played well in that one as well. So um, can we slow it down? They have some pieces. They're not littered with talent in the passing game, but again, one of the best receivers in the country in Dotson and a couple other guys who are certainly going to uh, give us some problems to, to keep track of. So Kevin, as you look at slowing down the passing game, um, I'm guessing Jahan Dotson's the first thing that sticks out, but what, oh, yeah. you know, what's your biggest key there? Yeah. Jahan Dotson is first round pick stud. I, I think he is one of the best receivers in the country. No question about it. Um, he can beat you over the top. He can beat you underneath. He can beat you intermediate, intermediate. It's, it's a tough matchup for especially the corners that we're going to be marching out there. And Parker Washington on the other side is no slouch. Uh, he's, he's a sophomore this year. Um, in 20 career games, he's got 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns as a sophomore. So uh, he, he's a really good player in his own right. And last week, uh, they, they started kind of rolling out some younger guys as well that, that were making some plays. So they've got a few receivers out there. The quarterback has struggled to consistently find them and, and allow them to make plays. Sean Clifford has had an up and down career at Penn State, but Sean Clifford at the end of the day for he gets he gets knocked a lot and you know partially deservedly so he's he's not a stud quarterback by anybody's measure but he's played in 30 he started 32 career games he's had something like 60 uh, 68 touchdowns in his career between passing and rushing I mean he's seen a lot of different coverages he's seen a lot of different blitzes he's he's a very experienced kid so in college, look, that matters. And so, you know, his, his ability to check it down to, to avoid negative plays has really improved over the last few years. And that's one thing I've noted about him, not throwing a whole lot of boneheaded decision-making passes like he has in the past. Um, he's going to kind of keep the chains moving with a terrible run offense um, that, that has been important for them. They are currently throwing on where I wrote this down. They are currently throwing on 54% of their plays. So they've, they've started to abandon the run entirely a little bit um, because they're only running for 3.3 yards a carry. That's 116th in the country. So they're throwing the ball on 54% of their offensive plays, which is 23rd in the country. Um, we have had opponents in the past who have had similar game plans, Miami, Western Kentucky, Purdue, Maryland, all like to throw the ball at a similar clip, but um, Penn state has, has kind of started to adopt that a little bit where they're like, man, this run game, we're, we're this late into the season. And it still hasn't worked out. Um, let's just, let's avoid that entirely. We know we have good receivers and we know we have a decent passing game and let's just go to that because yeah, they're, they're top rusher has a hundred carries for 322 yards in Noah Kane. Kayvon Lee has come in and, and been a little bit of a spark for them at running back, but th their running game has been terrible. It just absolutely terrible. 
So they're going to be trying to throw the ball. And, and obviously against Michigan state, that's the way to beat us, especially again, man, with all these injuries, dude, I, Simeon Barrow, I haven't heard anything about. It would be really nice to get him back in a, in a guy that can push the pocket from the interior. Uh, but Quiveris Crouch, he gave it a go last week with that giant brace on his right knee, and he came out and didn't come back into the game late. I don't know if what his status is. Um, Xavier Henderson left the game. Now, I, I from what I gather, him not coming back into the game was more of a result of it was 49 to nothing. And there's no point in, in trying to risk injury uh, to try to make a comeback by any stretch. So he was, he was voted a captain already. That's been announced. So I'm assuming he'll be playing full go. Uh, But then you have uh, Ronald Williams has been banged up recently. Marky Lowry has been banged up recently. Both of them are playing, but certainly not at a hundred percent. Man, this defense is just held together by string and duct tape right now. And when you're going up against an offense that is not a juggernaut by any stretch, but has a couple of legit playmakers, this is, it's kind of like Purdue where, you know, Purdue, if you look at the whole talent of the offense, it's nothing that you're going to write home about. The quarterback is, is okay. Um, The running game is, is not good. And their secondary receivers are, are pretty good, but nothing special. And then you have the one dude, Purdue, it was David Bell, Penn State, it's Jahan Dotson, that can beat people on his own. He can convert third downs on his own. He can score touchdowns on his own. And Jahan Dotson is that dude. And no matter how other teams have tried to scheme around it, he's been able to beat them. And with Michigan State, we've had trouble scheming to stop one guy. And uh, that that's going to be a problem for us. How do we figure out how to rotate coverage and, and how to stay in front of this kid for 60 minutes is going to be a huge, huge impact on the final score of this game. Yeah. Um, it's honestly, it's terrifying every Saturday going out onto the field or I'm not on the field, but watching them go out onto the field and wondering how they're going to perform. Sean Clifford can make enough plays. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, he's, yeah, he's been up and down in his career, but at the end of the day, he's throwing over 60% completions, 2,600 yards this year, 17 touchdowns, six interceptions. Um, not, I mean, he's throwing the ball more, but just from a numbers and touchdowns and interceptions and everything perspective, not too dissimilar from Peyton Thorne, our own guy. And uh, we know Peyton Thorne can make a few plays when he needs to. So uh, we're going to be up against it here. We've got a thin, a thin group. Cornerback is an area we're going to have to try to, to, I think fill some gaps this off season again in the transfer portal. Um, the safeties are, are banged up. Hopefully they'll be in there, but it's, it's a tall order. And when we don't really know what we're going to get on the offensive side of the ball in terms of scoring, in terms of, you know, just keeping us ahead or in the game, um, it's going to be kind of an eggshell start to the game. And then we'll see where the game script takes us. But um, yeah, I think first and foremost, you got to keep them out of the end zone. You got to avoid the big plays, you know, throughout this season, our defense has, has been shaky through, especially through the air, allowing teams to move down the field. But I think what happened at Ohio state that it hadn't really happened at other in other games was, you know, the floodgates just opened over the top. I mean, we couldn't keep guys in front of us. They were gashing us down the seams. They were gashing us down the sidelines and, and we really just entirely lost contain on, you know, on that team. 
Penn State does not have the same vertical threats that Ohio State did. Even Jahan Dotson, great player, but isn't necessarily the just, you know, run a nine and beat you over the top kind of wide receiver. So maybe that threat isn't as severe, but nonetheless, it's going to take everybody on that defense to slow this team down and keep us in this one because the offense, it's uh, it's going to be tough to put more than 20, even 24 points, I think would be a pretty solid output against this defense. Yeah, and on top of all of that, special teams matters, especially in this game, man. We've we've talked about the MSU kicking woes of recent. That is something that I'm certainly not confident in. Uh, but this is a hell of a punter matchup. And we got Bryce Berenger, our guy, going up against Jordan Stout, who is a finalist for the Ray Guy. Um, I was looking up some stats on on Stout, you know, for, for everybody saying, you know, Bryce Berenger got snubbed. So Jordan Stout is averaging 46 and a half yards a punt. His longest punt of the year is 76 yards. He has punted 59 times this year. 24 of 59 have traveled at least 50 yards. 31 of 59 were inside the opponent's 20. Um, 15 punts inside the 10. Five punts inside the five. Uh, He's been the Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week four times this year. He is a very, very, very good punter. Um, and, and he's going to flip some field position a couple times. Um, him and Behringer, it's going to be a little bit of a battle out there. I, I love to see special teams matching up in, in this kind of way. It, it might be a low-scoring battle for field position. And so um, when, when both teams are able to pin the others inside their own 20, um, that's, that's when these games really start to, to get down into the muck and anything can happen. Um, obviously, kicking-wise, you know, again, Michigan State, we've had our problems with Coughlin's injury, and, and we're still not really sure on that front. Jordan Stout is also their kicker this year. He's, he's their punter and kicker doing double duty. Uh, pretty solid kicker, 72% on the year. Uh, but that's going to be huge in this, in this game is special teams. And, and, you know, on top of all of that, we're without Jaden Reed, again, who you know, we think about his impact in the receiving game. We got to consider his impact in the return game as well. I'm interested to see, you know, what we do with that position with the punt returning spot, especially uh, without Jaden Reed and in, in back there. Yeah, I think I saw Cade McDonald um, at least fielding punts. I don't think he returned any last week, but at least calling fair catches out there. Maybe that was the second half. I think I've seen Montori Foster out there as well at some point this year, but will be interesting to see who they roll out as a returner. Um, and, and Penn State, they've got some guys who can return the ball as well. Jahan Dotson takes their punts. He's got 100 punt return yards on 14 returns this year. Uh, they got kind of a smattering of guys who do it on kickoffs. Um, no touchdowns by them in the return game, but they, they put their best athletes out there just like we do and, uh, and can gash you any time if you fall asleep. So special teams, obviously always important, especially in the Big Ten, especially in low-scoring games. Um, yeah, great kicking matchups. Jordan Stout certainly deserves the kind of um, the awards and the the recognition that he's receiving lately. Now that we're into kind of awards season, and uh, not not going to say one team has an advantage or a disadvantage in the special teams, but obviously both teams are capable of making big plays in that phase of the game. And any big play in special teams counts for basically. I'd say probably a few big plays on offense or defense, just given, you know, the, the nature of 
that phase of the game. Yeah, people always like, you know, sneeze and laugh at special teams at times, but like you're talking about flipping field position at times like plus or minus 20, 30, 40 yards. You know, we saw it um what game was it? Was it Purdue where we had the one punt and then we had to bring it back because of uh penalty and then we punted again and it it turned out to be like a 50-yard penalty. I mean, think about how many times we've gone back onto a recap show and like, man, that 50 yard completion that really sparked the drive, like, you know, that's, that's half the field, right? So that, that can make a big difference. And you mentioned there, you know, there's not a whole lot separating these teams in terms of special teams. Well, according to our friends at DraftKings, there isn't a whole lot separating these teams in general. Right now, uh, full updated line right now, we have Michigan State two-point underdogs at home Penn State a two-point favorite and we will give our picks on Friday so make sure you are tuned into that and subscribed but right now our weekly segment of the over-under of the week right now again live at DraftKings it is a 52 point over-under so the the sports book is looking at something like what 28 24 Sounds about right. Yeah. 28, 24. No, 28, 26, 27, 25. There we go. That sounds better. 27, something like that. Um, so over under 52, Scott, where, where is your head at there? Um, I said last week, the only way that the Ohio state, Michigan state goes under is (laughs) if we get blown out and that's exactly what happened. Uh, So that was one I bet the over last week. And as it kept going at halftime, I'm like, oh boy. Okay. Like in theory, you're looking at this this is going way over, but you knew the nature of like, they're just going to start melting clock. And when we finally came down and scored, I was like, I I was almost hoping that we were going to give up another touchdown to the backups. Cause I'm like, this is already embarrassing anyway, at least make me win my bet and, and didn't get that over. Yeah, so I said earlier in this episode that if MSU can get to 24 points, I think that's a pretty good day for them. We're asking them to get 25 of these 52 and Penn State to get 27. I like the under in this one. Um, I think from Michigan State's perspective, uh, just given how quickly they can get gashed in the passing game, they're going to want to slow this game down and keep it low scoring. Um, obviously they'll be trying to convert as many drives as they can, but they want to keep their defense off the field these days. So I like the under, it's going to be cold. It's going to be nice weather, 35 and 36. I think it said partly cloudy, but nonetheless, it's cold. It's big 10. It's November. You know, the turf is not what it is in September either. You might have some guys falling down. I think we had that last year in, in state college. If you remember, it was like an ice skating game, yeah. um, with dudes slipping like every other play, but in any case, I think I like the under here. I think we're going to struggle to score. I, again, I think the only way this goes over is if Penn State scores more than they're expected to. I hope that's not what happens, but I think I like the under in this one. Low scoring, Big Ten slugfest. And uh, yeah, like you said, we'll give our actual predictions this Friday. Yeah, I think I'm with you on the over under. I think that the more likely case is that this game just gets bogged down into a 20 to 18 kind of game, a 20 to 17 type of game, rather than a a 35 to 31, you know, touchdowns 
a plenty. I, I just, I have a hard time seeing that game playing out in my head right now. So I, I lean towards the under two. And again, I, I think this is going to be a really close game. I think, you know, Vegas has this as a two point spread. I think that's, that's pretty much right on. I, I think it's going to be really close and uh, we will give our predictions on Friday. So make sure you're subscribed. We try to make those episodes a little bit shorter for you, but you know, we're college football fans. And when you get us talking about college football, we end up rambling a little bit, but if you have been following the picks podcast for the year, and if you are wagering a little bit of cash on DraftKings Sportsbook, um, you, you've been cleaning up with us. We, we are putting DraftKings out of business uh, between them paying us money to, to talk about their product and then paying us money to uh, basically give all of you fine folks the, the, the picks to beat them at their own game. Um, we're, we're going to put them out of business here soon. So, um, if, if you haven't been following along now is a good time to do it at the end of the year here, you're, you're getting the the last ring of picks soaking up all the, the remaining college football that we have left. We got this final week of the regular season, and then you got army Navy next week. And then you got, uh, uh, championship week. So big 10 championship, sec championship. And then you're down to bowl games. And if you've been following college football the last few years, you know that bowl game season is not exactly what it used to be with, you know, the opt-outs and and guys not really playing and suiting up. And it's it's just not the same. So soak up this last week of regular season college football. Um, join us for the picks where we will give you, of course, the Michigan State game, but also the biggest games of the week around the country and, and really enjoy that. So anything else before we get out of here, Scott? No, we got redemption coming this week on the picks. We had a, I don't know if we've got, I don't think we've talked about it yet. We had a bad week in the picks last week. Water's trying to find its level. The betting gods are making their last, uh, last ditch effort to get us back around, you know, average 50, 50. We both went one and four last week. So we'll be coming back to redeem ourselves this Friday. Uh, it's a big week, rivalry weekend. We're going to have some great matchups out there. So tune in, uh, get our MSU predictions, get away from your family for a little bit and get some football content back in your brain. Yeah, we're still sitting probably around 57, 58%, uh, I believe. So still doing pretty well, even with a rough week for for the two of us. And and that competition keeps rolling on. I think we're still tied. Uh, we're, we're having a real trouble breaking that tie here. So um, until Friday, again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Let's add another trophy to that trophy case here and make it three in the regular season. That would be a hell of a way to, to cap off a 10-win season if we pull this one out, even without a bowl game. That just feels incredible to, to come out of the mouth. So happy Thanksgiving. We will see you guys Friday. Enjoy the food, enjoy the family, enjoy the football and everything that comes along with it. And we will see you soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.